todo sea por un beso, Dio. Ya soñabas con llegar a McDonald's, ordenar tus McNuggets y tu Big Mac de siempre. Con extra pepinillos, extra salsa especial, extra cebolla, porque tú eres así, extra. Pero luego recuerdas que estás en una cuarta cita. Y quizá ordenar cebollas extra no sea la mejor movida. Hay un meal para cada cita en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar, producto individual a precio regular. Is we actually are introducing the topic. Our topic this evening is on the power of divine connections and how the Lord has uh, orchestrated the body of Christ in such a way that we need one another. But then as we specifically look at how God has called us to connect to fivefold ministry, one of the things that I really love about Um, studying the book of Acts is we see that the early church had experienced amazing grace. The Bible says in Acts 4, verse 33, that um, the apostles with great power bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and great grace was upon them all. So the apostles were the one that were ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, but the entire body of Christ It says, great grace was upon them all. The word in the language, the New Testament language, is actually the equivalent of mega grace. They had mega grace. Grace actually um, symbolized numerically, is symbolized numerically by the number five. And uh, of course, five Uh, fold ministry, that's interesting when we talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I love the fact that in 1 Peter chapter 4, it talks about how we are to minister to one another. And it says um, basically the manifold grace of God. And that term manifold basically means multifaceted the multifaceted grace of God. And that grace actually is what causes us to grow. The grace of God is more than just experiencing forgiveness of sins. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it's verse 29, that we serve God acceptably because of grace. We, we serve him acceptably because of grace. It says in um, Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12, that grace The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and live a self-controlled, upright life. Romans 6.14 says that uh, we are not under, sin will have no dominion over us because we're not under law, but we are under grace. Yeah. So grace isn't just um, forgiveness. A lot of times we misconstrue grace or we limit grace to the forgiveness of sins. Mercy and grace is available to every person who turns to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. He has a throne of grace, and it says that we may obtain mercy and grace, both mercy and grace, to help us in our time of need. So grace is very, very important, and this grace of God is dispensed to one another Um, not only directly by the Holy Spirit, but indirectly through our relationships. And it's very important that we're connected to the right people. And not only are we connected to the right people, 
Um, but we need to be connected to godly people. We need to be connected to graced people. So what has happened in the church today is we have people that, um, by and large, they just kind of doing their own thing. They're off alone. Pastors are leading churches on their own. They maybe have a few friends, but they really have very little input um, or very little influence in terms of other people, particularly apostles and prophets speaking into their lives, imparting to them, um, you know, being able to encourage them and so forth. And we also see that there are many people today that, you know, they've got their own ministries. They may be either on, they're on uh, Facebook, <laughs> they're on YouTube, they're making videos, but they don't have kingdom connections. They don't have kingdom relationships and they just feel they can, you know, have a go at it alone. They're all right. They don't need these relationships, but this is not what the Bible teaches. The New Testament is very clear that we need one another. We desperately need one another. So we're going to be looking at that tonight. And I want to just read a few scriptures right from the beginning. The first passage I'm going to read from is Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. These are the words of Jesus himself, verses 40 and 41. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. So let's just stop there for a moment. Now, let's invert that. Let's, uh, you know, kind of turn that upside down. Okay, so the opposite of receiving is what? Rejecting, right? We're not receiving. And so we could say, we could say essentially that people that are not, um, excuse me just a second, people that are not receiving the Lord, they're not receiving, let's start that way. They're not receiving God's messengers. They're not receiving God's people. They actually are actually robbing themselves of the blessing of God because they're not receiving Jesus and they're not receiving the father, the one who sent him. This is what it says in Matthew 10 verse 41. If you receive a, a verse 40, verse 41, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive a righteous person because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. This is the new living. Um, in the gospel of Mark chapter 13, verses 54 through 58, Jesus went to Nazareth. That's his hometown where he grew up. And the Bible says that when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where did he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Mm -hmm. Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And all of his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And then this is what it says. Jesus said to them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, the, it literally says in Greek that he was only able to do 
some minor healings, basically. He wasn't able to do any mighty works or miracles is the Greek word dunamis. And, you know, this is because of dishonor. This is because they would not and could not recognize Jesus as anyone more than, you know, Joseph and Mary's son and, and the brother of James and so on and, and so forth. So it's a very sad thing. But in the context of relationships, Pastor Kevin Forlong, um, who's going to be teaching in just a moment, mentioned this in our last session. He talked about the Shunammite woman and Elisha and how her destiny was basically fulfilled because of that connection. Mm -hmm. She recognized the connection with the man of God, and then she actually intentionally sought out that connection. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, very important because in that place of kingdom connections, in that place of divine relationships, we receive from God. We receive impartation. We receive grace. There's certain things that we will not experience on our own. And we have to recognize this. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So he was saying to the Roman disciples, the Christians in Rome, I want to come to you and I want to impart to you some spiritual gift that will make you strong. Well, they might've said, well, Paul, we're okay. We've got, we've got the Bible, you know, at least they had the old Testament at that time. And we've got the Holy spirit. We don't need you, Paul, but they understood the secret that God moves in our lives. God advances us. He, he takes us to other levels and places that we cannot go on our own apart from kingdom relationships. So they, they recognize that, the importance of that. Paul said to Timothy, who Timothy had been his son in the faith, basically uh, Paul had raised him up and poured into Timothy over many years. Second Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through what? The laying on of my hands. Mm -hmm. So he says, Timothy, you received something from God through me, through the laying on of my hands. And so God uses one another. We need apostolic alignment. We need prophetic connections and relationships. We need um, connections to one another, you know, and it's not just those who are, um, have large ministries and networks. It, you know, it's not just one way. In other words, it's mutual. It's to be reciprocated. And, uh, we, as, um, we're not looking for honor. Those who are serving in leadership, we're not looking for honor. Honor is not something we, we demand, we ask for, but honor is something that we give, we show, and we exemplify that by, our lifestyle. So it's very, very important. But there is a thing in the New Testament that I refer to as apostolic alignment and covering. You know, so we see in the New Testament that the believers, the which of the churches, right? The churches or people were always connected to an apostle. And even though they had um, elders, many of the churches had elders, they were still connected to an apostle. We see this in Acts 14, verses 21 through 23, and Acts chapter 15, verse 36. 
So Paul had a network and the network were believers and leaders and actual churches that were part of that network. And they were connected to Paul and they realized that there's an element of God's grace that they would never experience without their connection to Paul himself, who was in their instance, uh, their apostle. So apostolic alignment and covering is important. What for? For impartation and also for release. We've been, we've already referred to this for impartation and also for release. So tonight we're going to be talking about the power of divine connections. Pastor Kevin is going to share with us and I will introduce him in just a moment for those of you who don't know him. Later on, we're going to be hearing from three of our heroes. That's what we're calling heroes. So we've got Pastor Elizabeth Hamilton from Washington State, uh, Tacoma, Washington. is going to be sharing tonight. We also have Pastor Edgar Aria from the south part of Spain. Um, so he's going to be sharing. And I've known Edgar for a long time, but he's just recently connected with our Kingdom Learning Community. And then we also have, uh, hopefully, he's going to be joining us. It's very early where he is. Bishop Nelson from Zimbabwe is going to be joining us as well. So without any further ado, um, Pastor Kevin, we're going to ask you to jump on. And um, he's going to be sharing with us tonight on the topic of divine connections. When Pastor Kevin is finished, we're going to have an opportunity for questions. We're going to have an opportunity for you to interact in different ways. So this is something I think that is going to be uh, very informative and rewarding. Pastor Kevin Forlong is from, um, well, he's from Queensland, Australia. And uh, we've known Pastor Kevin for several years. And we've actually, when we pastored in Australia, he came over to our church on two or three occasions and ministered. And we found uh, it always to be a very fruitful time, very um, revelational. And in terms of what he shared, he's so he's Pastor Kevin's been in ministry for more than 50 years, five zero guys. So I think we might be able to learn something from him. And he's traveled to many nations. He has a prophetic anointing on his life. He has an apostolic anointing on his life and mantle. And he just has a heart of a father and, and, and interacts that way with many people. So, Pastor Kevin, please go ahead and uh, let's talk about the power of divine connections tonight. I know you believe in that. And we would love to hear from you if you want to begin where you will where you left off last time, or you need to recap, just have your way and uh, we'll enjoy that. We'll give you the spotlight and uh, away you go. Well, Thank you, Pastor you Glenn. Um, it's, uh, it's great to have the uh, privilege of sharing with you uh, again on this uh, learning community. And uh, I just really uh, appreciate your uh, comments, uh, Pastor Glenn, and just laying that biblical foundation that you did a few moments ago and um, uh, such a critical thing. I guess uh, just to let people know something of my journey that uh, has brought me to a place of pretty strong conviction about the need for divine connections 
Um, when I first uh, came into pastoral ministry, uh, it was in Auckland, New Zealand. I'm, I'm a Kiwi from, uh, you know, back then. And, yeah. um, and I had uh, taken over the leadership of a, a small, uh, quite a broken down congregation. There were 27 people in the church when we first arrived there. The church had been there 30 years. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it was a pretty abysmal situation, even though it was in the middle of the city. And um, for, without any biblical conviction or understanding, I, uh, I realized the need to connect with people that had gone further and knew stuff. I, I, I hadn't been through Bible college. I, I basically came into the ministry through the back door, if you like. I was in the congregation at one point and then asked to lead the church. And, you know, it went from there. But um, so I started to connect with um, uh, two or three men, one, one man in particular that I developed quite a close relationship with. Uh, he was an apostolic father of another movement. He wasn't part of the denomination that I, I was in. And, um, and in fact, we, we developed that um, relationship to the point where we were uh, appointing him as the apostolic oversight of our church and ministry. And uh, it was, so I sort of came into this without any clear biblical understanding of, uh, of uh, the kind of things that Pastor Glenn was talking about a moment ago and the, the model that we see through the New Testament, through Acts and Paul and his ministry and apostolic team and connections and, and uh, the alignment that Pastor Glenn was talking about. So, and those connections from those early days were just incredibly important for us. And um, the church that we we were leading just blossomed and we we had 10 years of just amazing journey of of growth and and uh, out of that church ministering into other nations and what have you but i put a lot of it down to the fact that i was connected with people even back then and we're talking uh 1979 um and uh, well earlier than that actually but but really started to kick in in, in 79, 80, 81, through that time. And uh, being connected with men that had a, a real apostolic prophetic mantle on their lives. And even though I didn't really understand that then, I look back now and I believe that a major part of the effectiveness that we saw through those years was because of uh, those kind of connections. And I've maintained that all the way through my life um, and uh, through ministry work pastored for a number of years in Melbourne, uh, quite a large uh, inner city church. And uh, again, ministering from there into to a, a lot of nations. And, uh, and I think a lot of the fruitfulness of that season also was uh, to do with the, the people that we connected with uh, through that time in very, very intentional relationship. And I continued that through um, the sea, like we've been 23 years in, in itinerant ministry. And um, uh, I've, I have uh, in my life right to today, three 
men that I uh, highly respect and have a, a very intentional relationship with. There are others besides them that I do connect with, but those particularly I look to for uh, counsel and input and um, and all of those kind of things. So it's it's uh, so I come at this subject from uh, you know a place of pretty strong conviction based on personal journey really, and uh, and. And then, of course, now, a few years down the track, overlaid with some understanding of what Scripture actually talks about. And um, as Pastor Glenn mentioned last time we were on this call, um, I brought to you some thoughts out of uh, the passage uh, with um, Elisha and the Shunammite and and, uh, just the fact that out of uh, it was a divine connection in the sense that this was a wealthy woman. Elisha comes to town, has dinner at her house. And um, that was culturally very normal. Uh, There's no hotels, there's no restaurants. And so wealthy people would often open their home uh, to people that were traveling, people that were coming through and they would come and and, uh, partake of their hospitality. And and that's what happened with Elisha. Um, But the The thing that's particularly significant to me out of that account is that it says after Elisha had been to dinner in their home on uh, one or two or more occasions, a few occasions, that she said to her husband, this man is different. I perceive something about the hand of God on his life. And um, I made the comment last uh, time we were together that perceiving becomes the foundation for receiving. And you can only receive from what you perceive. And so it's it's about this recognition of an apostolic prophetic mantle. And so this woman then goes about, of course, making room for Elisha in, uh, in, in their life because they recognize how important he is to them and the fact that this is a divine connection. And, um, and we see... Uh, you know, down through that account, um, uh, how that uh, Elisha was able to minister to her and, and really became the, uh, the catalyst for a divine encounter. That she had no children, so she gave birth to a son. And if you read on down, we find that the son dies and Elisha raises him back to life. And it brings, brings to light the fact that often the answer to our prayers comes through a divine connection. We see it with Cornelius, he's praying, and uh, the Lord says to him, or sends an angel to say to him, uh, send some men to Joppa and get Peter, because Peter will bring you the answer to your prayer. And uh, and so we see that right through. And you, and, and you see in this account with Elisha and the Shunammite woman, how that Elisha was able to uh, bring resurrection to a dream that she had lost, and um, and those kind of things. And so it becomes very powerful. There's a couple of uh, um, scriptures I want to, or a couple of thoughts I want to just take um, a little bit further. One is that I think it's really important for us to recognize that what we're talking about with divine connections are connections that are very freeing. They are connections that are are releasing and empowering and, uh, and connections that bring great fulfillment into your life. 
Uh, we're not talking about things of control. And, and I know there are models of that, and I personally have been exposed to some of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, where it's about power and position and money and all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, and instead of being uh, releasing and empowering, it becomes restrictive and controlling. And, uh, and so we, I think we need to be aware of that. And uh, I've met over the years numbers of people that have been into those kind of relations that have been quite destructive in their lives and destructive in their ministry and all sorts of areas. So, so uh, we just really, uh, and just taking that a step further, um, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says to the Corinthians, you have many, you have 10,000 instru instructors, but not many fathers. And I think that's so true of the church today. There's instructors everywhere. There are teachers and preachers. And, you know, we've got so much resource available to us in, in, in online and in all sorts of ways. But to me, the key of mature apostolic ministry is the is the heart and uh, motivation of a father and um, so again it's not about control a father has in their heart uh, the very best uh, desires for their children and they invest their lives in seeing their children come to maturity being effective and successful in life whatever that looks like and uh, and I think you, you see that hallmark right throughout Paul's life and ministry and through the writings of his epistle, the, 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 the fact that he carries the churches and the people in, in his heart. Uh, he, he, he talks to so, in so many of the epistles about his prayer life for those particular people and, and, um, and so on. And so uh, it's, it's uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's not about control. And I've had people, you know, sort of... Uh, have an expectation that you're going to ride into town on your white horse and tell them how to do everything. And, and my comment is always, you know, a father never does that. A father comes in to serve the purposes and, and all of that sort of thing. So I think when we're talking about divine connections, that's a really critical issue. I had somebody uh, say to me a number of years ago, I was sitting with a pastor and, and his wife, and we were talking about this whole thing. And, uh, and she asked me, she said, how do I know the um, apostolic, prophetic people that God wants me to connect with or, you know, the people that come across my life? How do I determine who are the ones that I should connect with? Mm -hmm. And I said to her, and it kind of came out of my mouth without me really even thinking about it. I just said to her, love at first sight. And then when I said that, I thought that actually sounds pretty good. I like that. It's kind of, yeah. And the thought was that, you know, if you sit down and, and just engage in whatever forum it is, if you have to work at the relationship, the relationship's probably not going to work for you. And so there needs to be that sense of oneness of spirit. Uh, you may not always see things exactly the same way, but there is a, you know, Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And so there's got to be that resonance within our heart, within our spirit, that this, that there is, uh, it's like that Shunammite woman, she perceives something about Elisha, uh, sees the hand of God on his life, senses that, and, and engages with that 
honors that relationship, invests in the relationship, makes herself available uh, to connect with Elisha. So it's a very powerful thing. Uh, the second thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and others are building on it. So uh, the thought is this, that there is a grace that Pastor uh, Glenn was talking about a moment ago that's on the fivefold ministry, and uh, there's a different grace on each gift that brings about a different uh, administration uh, in the purposes of God. And one of the hallmarks, I believe, of a genuine apostolic ministry is that they are master builders. In other words, they understand the strategies of heaven, and they're able to build that in the earth. And so they they are able. There's, I think there's a very close link in scripture between apostolic prophetic ministry, and so many of the people that I would know and respect the, that have an apostolic mantle have also got a strong prophetic uh, mantle, and um, and so out of that revelation uh, and understanding what. Um, you know, what God is saying about a situation or whatever it may be, they become a master builder. They have a strategy. So, so God downloads to them strategy, insight, understanding, sometimes to do with the culture. Sometimes, you know, the um, seven letters uh, to the churches in Revelation, they all talk about the spiritual uh, forces at work in a particular city. And that breakthrough comes through the revelation of that and understanding of the impact that that demonic influence is having on the church and on the people and what they need to do to overcome that. And to me, that is kind of reflective of, of uh, the mantle. I mean, obviously, this is Jesus speaking to the churches, but this is the kind of mantle uh, that is upon apostolic, prophetic leadership that because there's a difference between having a gift and having governmental authority and having governmental wisdom. And where you see mature apostolic prophetic uh, people that carry that wisdom, carry that insight, they become master builders. And I know just referring back to my own experience with people right through my ministry life or even earlier, um, you know, uh, the uh, just so much of what we've seen effective through our lives, I believe, as a direct result of being connected with people that are apostolic prophetic master builders, and they've been able to help direct us and confirm things and, and warn us and, and strategize with us and all of those kind of things, which is, is so powerful. And, um, and over the years, one of the things that I've realized is so many people are afraid of accountability. And uh, to me, accountability is such a powerful, necessary thing, not to be controlled, but to be vulnerable and open to input that can, can, can protect you and lead you forward. To me, it's my insurance, to be honest. I just, I like to be accountable. I like the guys that I particularly relate to that are part of our ministry oversight you know, we, we're very open with them and very honest and very transparent. And, and that, to me, has been part of the reason that, that I'm, I'm 76 years of age and I've been in ministry a long time, and, and yet we're still fresh and strong and, and seeing the, the goodness of God around our lives in so many ways. And I put that a lot of that down, obviously, to the grace of God, but also to the, what we've been able to draw 
through divine connections in our life. And, um, and so to me, I think the, the two things that I particularly look for, when we talk about apostolic uh, connection and alignment, coming into alignment with them, would be looking for people that carry a father's or mother's heart. Uh, you know, that's their heart, that's their motivation. And, and they're people that are master builders. They have a record of being able to help and build and understanding the strategies of heaven and being able to reproduce that. And, uh, and to me, it's like Moses built the tabernacle, built it according to the plan, you know, Solomon, uh, the temple, all, all of those kind of things are reflective of God disclosing uh, his purposes and the strategy to see them fulfilled in the earth. So I just uh, leave that uh, uh, with you guys tonight. I mean, it's just um, just where we where a bit of my journey and a bit of the things that I look for in relationships and uh, and uh, and all of that. So I'll pass it back to you, Pastor Glenn. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Kevin. That was awesome. So let's talk a little bit further about that, Pastor Kevin. Um, when you're when we're talking about apostolic relationships, divine connections, you know, um, one of the things that we need to understand is the role of that relationship in terms of the spiritual father, the spiritual mother, the apostle, the prophet, whatever they are, that could be, you know, in that relationship is how it benefits. And you mentioned um, how Paul mentioned many teachers, 10,000 teachers, but only one father. Um, one of the things that we see today, Pastor Kevin, and, and I would love for you just to uh, kind of enumerate on this a bit more, is the fact that there are networks that are around. And I know you had an experience with this yourself. You, you mentioned it to me previously, where someone was saying, look, you know, you can be part of our apostolic network and... Um, you know, basically, here's what you need to do. You need to turn everything over to me and give me your tithe. And, um, you know, frankly, we just don't believe that. We just don't believe that God, uh, spiritual fathers just come in and, and just take control of everything and usurp that role. Um, that's not biblical. And you mentioned that, you know, even in the natural, a father wouldn't do that. A, a, a wise father wouldn't do that. But I want to just read this. And then, Pastor Kevin, um, we, we really need people today to have these connections. But people have been hurt. They've been burned. They've tried to come into relationships where people have controlled them, manipulated them. And it's not always just you know, a pastor with, with a, you know, more seasoned pastor with another pastor or whatever, a younger pastor. But here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 14 and 15. He says to the church in Corinth, now I'm coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. Wow. Isn't yeah. that powerful? That's the New Living Translation. He says, I don't want what you have. I want you. Then listen to this. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. Mm. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Wow. And then he says, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Now, that is 
a great example of a yeah. father, right? We're talking about, right. we're referring to the Apostle Paul there. Um, how, what should that relationship look like, you know, in terms of um, not only, as, as clearly here, it's not just the the son, the daughter, the, you know, the younger persons in ministry that's looking for apostolic alignment, just giving, mm. but in terms of the actual spiritual father or mother, the apostle, prophet, whomever, what are, what are some ways that they can help, you know, those who are uh, others in relationship? And, and let me just say this, I realize that there are some people that God sends into your lives and they're not necessarily called to be mentors or spiritual fathers or mothers to you, but they're just a brother or sister that cares for you. And, you know, I've got a couple of people like that. They contact me regularly just to see how I'm doing. We don't, we're not in alignment in an an apostolic way or a father son kind of relationship, but it's just more of a brother uh, and brother relationship. So, so I recognize that, but in terms of the need for actual spiritual fathers and mothers, how can the father or how should the father or the mother, you know, interact and, and what can, what should they be doing in a healthy relationship? Okay. Well, if we, we talk about fathers, um, for a moment one of the scriptures that comes to mind in proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go and you know every person every ministry every pastor every local church has its own unique uh purpose uh, in the in the kingdom of god and and people are different and so i think that one of the key factors is that the person you relate to this apostolic, prophetic uh, person that you recognize God has brought upon your path. They're not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, an acquaintance, as Pastor Glenn was mentioning a minute ago, but this is somebody that you come in, you, you, you feel you want to come into alignment with. Then I believe it behoves that apostolic leader to spend time sufficient time with you and and with your ministry circle, your pastoral team or whatever it is, to understand uh, the journey that you're on, who you are, what is the mantle that's on you and on the house you lead or whatever it may be. And, uh, and, and so that they come in to serve that and to empower that and, um, and come in to not take authority over, but to to, to just uh, inspire and empower. And uh, and I, I sometimes have uh, you know go into a church and minister there for the weekend, and the pastor will say to me, "Okay, uh, what would you do differently? What you know? What do you think we should change?" And I often say to a pastor, "You know that." That's not always an easy question to answer because, of course, there are things I would do differently, but that doesn't make it right or wrong. Uh, so I have to step back from that and kind of say, look, I'm only going to comment in relation to things that are glaring uh, examples of bad leadership or something or where God really speaks to me about something because your journey 
It might be the same in principle to mine, but you're a different person. You carry a different grace on your life, and so you'll outwork that differently. And uh, so I think it's really important that, um, that the people you relate to come from that perspective. I, as Pastor Glenn mentioned, I did have an experience a few years ago I, uh, when the apostolic networks first began to emerge uh, really in the 90s. And, um, and I looked, at, you know, I've always been one that looks for connections and so on. And so I, uh, I did pursue that. But I came to a point with a, a person that I have great respect for, still do, and fantastic ministry, great uh, capacity to input and, and all of those sort of things. But it came to the point where if I was going to be part of that network, I had to sign a document, which meant I sent my tithe to them and uh, meant that, you know, they became the final authority in my life and in the, the church that I was leading at the time, so much so that if they, there was any ever any issues and they were asked to come and comment that they would adjudicate and their word was final. And uh, I, I just don't believe that's a biblical model at all. And Furthermore, I, I think you need to be relating to more than one person yeah. uh, because different people bring different things into your life. And so, you know, God brings across your path people that will prepare you for the next part of your journey. And uh, so some of those relationships might be seasonal. Uh, some are longer term. I think, you know, there should be both of those uh, factors involved in it. But yeah, that's a little bit about where I would come from, uh, Pastor Glenn. That's great. Thank you. So let me just say uh, this, you know, that when we're talking about relationships and, and Pastor Kevin made the statement, he said there are some people or some relationships where, you know, clearly it, it's a God ordained relationship. And what ends up happening is the Lord connects people. And there's a sense that it's a divine connection. He's knitting hearts together. You just know um, that it's of the Lord. And at that point, you you pursue that relationship. And there should be a sense in which um, mutually the there's there's input. So the father, the mother, they are pouring in. They're spending time, right? And they're they're um, helping that person grow. And I think that um, the Bible is clear that we're to preach the gospel to all creation, but we're not called to mentor everyone. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said that he, we are to make sure that what we've learned, he said to Timothy, what you've learned from me, you pass that on to faithful men who will teach mm. others. And so the, there's that place of faithfulness where, they, where the children, the recipients, the disciples they also have to be faithful. And, you know, even in our learning community, we always understand that there's people who can't show up for a session for whatever reason. But we see people, even right now on this session, there are people who have gotten up very early to be on this meeting. And it's because they value, you know, there's, there's content, there's connection, they value the community even. And um, I think that we, we really have failed, uh, particularly in our Western nations, in Canada, America, 
um, perhaps the United Kingdom and Australia partially, to really value the the um, the role uh, and the importance of these kingdom connections. And so, mm. when we when we talk about um, what does that look like? Well, there's clearly an expectation that if I am going to pour into someone, um, I expect them to be faithful. And if they're not willing to be faithful, then, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that we can, we can do, but there's certain things we're not able to do. Um, but the people that are really faithful in the sense that they're committed, are the ones that are going to experience so much. And you, you said this, Pastor Kevin, uh, in, in my words, we need others. It's not just one spiritual father. Now, the Apostle Paul was a spiritual father, clearly, to Timothy and to many others in the churches. But yet we see that he sent other ministers to um, go to these churches, Titus and Timothy and others. And so they received from a variety of, of other ministers, a fivefold ministry um, people, but ultimately they still had that connection. So I think it's important that when we look at these divine connections, these you know apostolic alignment or whatever, that we realize that there are individuals that God has called you to connect with. And they should be, in a sense, um, I believe it's important that they open up their relationships, their network, so to speak, to be a blessing to you. And, you know, the reason why Pastor Kevin's sharing tonight is because he's a, a connection and relationship that Lynn and I have, and we value what he carries, and we wanted you guys to also glean from uh, his wisdom, his knowledge and experience. So this is really important. So when you, when you look at these relationships, first of all, let's just say, do you have an apostolic relationship? Do you have these type of divine connections? I'm not referring to just, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now um, that's important too. We need that. But do you have those type of relationships? And again, this isn't about, uh, well, I want to, I want you to be my spiritual father, spiritual mother, you know, um, I, it's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how can I, uh, what is the purpose in this connection? I feel God is in it. What is the purpose? And really trying starting to understand that purpose, like the Shunammite, she did not know exactly, um, what was going to happen, but she knew there was something different about Elisha. Is that right, Pastor Kevin? Let's just talk about that again. It's such a great story. You know, you, go over those points again, would you please, in terms of how the Shunammite, the woman, the Shunammite woman, you know, what she did. And, 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 and what was that phrase you said again about um, recognizing the, the importance of the... Yeah. Yeah, you can only receive from what you perceive. Okay. So, yeah, one of the things that is a key to that passage is the fact that she says to her husband, this man that passes by is not like anybody else. You know, I perceive he's a holy man of God. Yeah. And so that becomes the catalyst then 
for her to make the investment she did in money, time, and effort into honoring that relationship and positioning herself to receive from what the man carries. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it is important. One of the things I've, um, you know, in my own journey, I've, I've come across this uh, thing of, of people that don't know how to be fathers and people that don't know how to be sons and daughters. And so you made a reference uh, a minute ago to, uh, you know, people just saying, you know, you're my spiritual father. And, uh, and, and sometimes that kind of terminology has become very casual and very much a, um, you know, I've had pastors say, oh, you know, well, so-and-so is my covering, you know, he's my father and whatever. I I, uh, was in another country um, a few years ago now and uh, uh, going to minister at a church and the pastor picked me up from the airport and we're driving away and he starts saying to me, you know, you're my spiritual father, it's wonderful to have you here and this, that and the other. And, And so I said to him, I said, so who else do you relate to? And he said, nobody. He said, just you. Mm. And I, I didn't say anything at the time. I said, okay. And then as the conversation went on, he told me that he'd, he had um, decided to resign the church. He told his leadership he was resigning the church, but he wasn't going to leave for two years. And, um, mm. and so the next morning, I didn't respond. But the next morning, we're having coffee. And I said to him, you know, you said I'm your spiritual father. And he said, yeah. I said, well, that's a figment of your imagination. I said, you don't have to talk to me about anything, but you can't call me your spiritual father and then make the kind of decisions you're making without me even being aware of it, you know. Uh, and, and he was very sincere. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't a rebellious kind of a guy, but the thing is that we have a certain independence and some people don't know how to let go of that to actually come into a relationship that really is vulnerable, accountable, and real. And, uh, and so we throw around terminology that is not helpful. So if a father, a father is a person that puts structure and, and uh, discipline and intent around the lives of their children. And, uh, and it's not to say, so when we talk about it being relational and it's not autocratic, it's not controlling, the reality is if you read scripture at times, Paul was very clear, very, and very strong with, uh, the, some of the people he was leading and, and, uh, the churches he was speaking into, uh-huh. but it was coming from a position of love and truth. He's telling them the truth in love because he wants to, uh, to, you know, stop them reaping the consequences of bad decisions. Yeah. Uh, one of the things just in, in part of my personal journey, a couple of years ago, because I wrestled, my dad died when I was four. So I, I grew up in a very broken situation. So I never had a father and I never, you know, I had different people come in and out of my life. And, and, and that left me with a pretty mixed up idea of what, uh, you know, what fathering and that was all about. But, uh, and so I found it very difficult when people start to talk to me as, uh, you know, you're a spiritual father or whatever it was, use that kind of terminology. I struggled with it. And then two or three years ago, the Lord started talking to me about being a grandfather, not a father. 
he said, you're, you're a grandfather, you know, we have grandchildren. And, but, he, but I began to think about the difference between a grandfather and a father. And I think sometimes when we talk about fathers, what we actually need is a grandfather. Mm. Because a grandfather is a person that's available, mm. that committed to relationship, but they don't have the responsibility of discipline and structure. Mm. So you can come alongside. In reality, the, mm. the father of the church should be the senior leader of that church, the senior pastor or, or, or whatever. Uh, and, and, but that senior pastor needs fathering. Uh, but they also need a grandfather, you know, where relationship is the key thing. And, uh, and I'm just here for you. I'm available to you as a grandfather is to their grandchildren. You know, I don't have the right to, because my grandchildren are adults, I don't have the right to walk in and tell them what to do, but I'm available to them and I have a strong relationship. And so they, we talk about stuff going on in their lives, you know. So I think there's a, a, a certain element in which what we're talking about in these alignments and connections is both a father and a grandfather kind of thing, if, you, if that makes sense to you, you know, that's, uh, yeah. that's one of the things, yeah. Anyway. No, that's that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. And it's very helpful because we all need people that we can go to for advice and counsel and, you know, just even listen to be an ear sometimes to hear. So, so that's so important. Um, Talking about those type of relationships in terms of accountability and terms of being committed to, to grow. When we think about Paul and how he called Timothy, and, you know, he took Timothy under his wing and he tutored and mentored him, developed him for ministry. And as you see, the language changes throughout the New Testament. I did a study on this. And I found it very interesting. First of all, Timothy's called his son in the faith. Later on, he's referred to um, a fellow sufferer. And then he's also referred to basically as a, as a fellow minister. Um, and then a servant, a servant as well. And then ultimately we see Timothy in a place of leadership. When Paul's an older man, Timothy's overseeing, you know, the church in Ephesus for a season. And Paul had this to say about Timothy in second Timothy two twenty two. This is the new King James version. He said, but you know, his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. As a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So that's a powerful thing. Um, you mentioned in a previous conversation, I think we had, or maybe it was last week, you're talking about David and his mighty men. And there was something that happened in how these mighty men were just drawn to David. Can you just take a few moments and, and unpack that uh, yeah, that's uh, Second Chronicles 12. And um, the thing that's significant to me out of that passage is that David has been anointed king. And, you know, the anointing makes you attractive. I think part of this divine connection thing and the, the Shulamite, Shulamite woman is she, she sees the anointing on Elisha. And, and so what happens is David is anointed. Uh, he is recognized, but now he's, he's uh, being uh, pursued by Saul and he's hiding out in the wilderness. 
And then we see right through that passage of 2 Chronicles 12, you see men of caliber experience, significant numbers of them and people that were, you know, very, uh, very successful, if that's the word, in their own right. And they come to David and, and they say to David, we are yours. Mm. We are yours. And at that point, of course, there's no knowing whether David is ever going to get to the throne because Saul is trying to kill him. They don't know whether David is going to survive, whether he's, he's successful or whatever. But the significant thing is there's a commitment to him as the person because of what he carries. And um, it's, it's a very powerful passage because so many of these people are very successful in their own right very skilled warriors and, you know, leaders. And, and right through that passage, there's just a number of things that come out about their commitment to the relationship with David, not because he's successful, but in spite of the fact that he doesn't look very successful at all, he's hiding out in the wilderness and they're going to join him in a time of, you know, real difficulty and, and challenge. And, uh, but they sense there's something on his life that they want to be part of, you know? Yeah. So, wow. Uh, the statement, we are yours, I think, is, is a very crucial statement uh, because really the commitment's got to be the person before the vision and the purpose and all of that. Right. Yeah. That's, fan that's awesome. And, you know, again, it was a very uncertain time for David. Yeah. There was nothing he could offer them. Hey, guys, there's a cave here, but that's about it, right? And yeah. uh, But, you know, we are yours. And there was just that call. There was that uh, sense that they discerned, you know, the, the grace, the anointing of God on, and I, I think mm -hmm. about Ruth and Naomi is another story, you know, mm -hmm. how she yeah. was drawn, you, you know, your people be my people, your God will be my God and I'll go with mm -hmm. you and so on. And that, that's so, that's so powerful. So when we're talking um, about these kingdom relationships and these, you know, divine relationships, apostolic alignment, spiritual fathers and mothers, I just want to say to everyone who's on this Zoom meeting, and of course, we're going to, other people will watch this video later, is um, it's important for you to have that. We all need that. And we have learned to value this and seek after that in our own lives. Um, so this is very important. But the way it works, guys, is you need to just kind of discern, okay, who is this person God has put in my life. Now, again, you may have more than one person. Um, there might be other people that you relate to, but we have a community here, a network, so to speak, of people that are available to build, you know, relationships with you, but it has to be by the spirit of God. And, you know, there's going to be some people that can just maybe have a talk with you one day, encourage you, but then there's a few relationships where people say, look, I really want to journey in this relationship. I want you to pour into my life. I want you to, you know, help give oversight to, to me, help disciple me, help mentor me, those type of relationships. We all need those. We, we really do. And I've, I've jokingly said this previously, the school of hard knocks is overrated. <laughs> so get a mentor and you can literally, you know, we're talking about flattening the curve right now, right? You can flatten that learning curve or you can at least make it not as steep and with people that can help you, but they've got to have the right heart. 
They've got to be humble. They're not going to be controlling, manipulating and, and coercing and so on. It's not, they're not motivated by money. You know, there's nothing wrong with sowing into ministries, especially if you're receiving something. The New Testament teaches that. If you receive spiritual revelation or input from someone you, that's really helping you, you know, you should honor. Mm-hmm. That's one way that we honor. But ultimately, you know, we need to have these relationships. So we just want to encourage you guys to pursue that. Um, some of you are here, you're new, maybe first time on the Zoom meeting. If you are part of a network, that's incredible. That's great. We're happy to hear that. If you really find value from that, that's great. If you're not part of a network and you would like to have, you know, more than what we do, just on on these monthly meetings and the occasional training um feel free just to pray into that and and you know if there's any sense that we can talk this through we can see is there a way to have a you know more of a relationship in the network that way as well and again it doesn't mean there's only so many people you can mentor right like jesus had 12 and and um so we recognize that as well and then, of course, you have gifts. You have, um, you know, wisdom and knowledge that God wants you to be able to share with others. So we value this as a learning community. And, you know, there are people that I would love to be able to connect together in different ways that maybe don't know each other right now. And there's opportunities to collaborate in ministry. There's opportunity to do things together and so on. So this is really, really important. So let's just keep that in mind. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required.